Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips. Tonight is the third part of the three keys to successful relationships. So the first key to successful relationships, we talked about the whole point of like how we make sense of our experiences through connection and relationships are a vehicle for feeling and for creating that connection. Then we talked about there being a flow from connection to disconnection and conversation being the mechanism through which we create connection. So tonight um, we're talking about what breaks connection um, what creates disconnection? So what struck you in your discussions in a breakout room? Does anyone have any thoughts? I was, um, I think uh, we were discussing uh, lack of interest in the other person, um, at least that's one area that we looked at and that um, if the other person is not Sneaking. engaging with the partner, then that can potentially cause disconnection because the partner is not uh, being listened to or being uh, valued, I suppose, in some ways. Okay. Um, so that would that for me that would probably come under respect. Would that be an accurate reading for you? It may be. I mean, it's not so much. Well, I don't know, it depends how we define respect, I guess, but um, it's not so much about oh, no, no. If, if, if the other person isn't showing interest in what you have to say or what you, what you are doing or what's happening in your life, they're not kind of there with you as such, but they expect they're, they're not putting anything into the relationship in that sense, uh, in, a, in, a, in a more emotional way or in a psychological way. They're not contributing into it. So as in engagement, like being engaged, yeah. being yeah. involved. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So what determines whether someone's engaged or if they disengage? We call it more like a fixed mentality. When the person doesn't want to learn new things, it's like staying in the comfort zone, doesn't want to expand it. It's just all the time. That's my knowledge. I'm already at the top and I don't want to improve more. So many people happening when they finish the school, they stop learning. Okay. And when it's not grow mindset, let's right. call it this way. Okay. Um, so how does that, how, how does that break connection? Basically over the time you will lose interest because there is nothing new what you can learn with that person nothing new what you can do with that person no activity uh, all the time the same things you will talk about because eventually you will run out from the things to say just all the time you will listen complain the person literally ending up in the complaint loop so the person only see the bad habits doesn't searching for the great opportunity for the future. So the grow mindset, it's all the time to looking how you can break through the barrier. Barrier. 
as long the fixed mentality is just black and white. Yes, no, good, bad, just labeling all the time. And whenever you labeling, you actually don't have a time to go through the sense. You don't need to label emotion. You don't need to label anything in the life. Just experience it. Just have it. Just to be there. Okay. So um, that's just really talking about in George Lennon when we talked about in mastery about the the, the dabbler and that that um, that would be like the hacker who's just happy at a level. And so what you're saying is without the growth growth mindset there's going to come a point where at that plateau where someone is unhappy with that. And that's what's going to be. So let, let me go back a bit because it's, um, um, so what exactly happens with you? So one person's at that plateau and then you said the other person gets to be more critical of them and they start to in the, go in the complain loop. Yeah. Basically what's happening when the fixed mentality are all the time just feel like the other person are criticized. Right. Okay, so... The so grow mindset all the time want to improve. So if one partner is grow mindset, it's all the time want to improve, all the time want something bigger, achieve more in the future. That's how it's supposed to be, in my perspective. If the other person just top, it's just stay in the bubble, doesn't want anything. Okay. So um, what what um, what about if they're both fixed mindset? If it's both, it can be at the same time, it can be stop. It can have some argument because it's black and white. So I have a right. No, I have a right. No, I have a right. As long the grow mindset, yes, you my okay. You have your right, but I still keep my right as well. So what's happening there? What's that point where it's breaking? No compromise. Yeah, basically just win, lose. One of them will have to win, other one have to lose. In the end day, I believe everybody should win. Everybody should take something from it. But that means compromise, and yes, to compromise, you have to discuss. You have to discuss. It's a, it's a to and fro, and you um, find common ground. And if you can't discuss um, with respect, um, then you're not going to succeed. Because if you have no respect, you're going to have um, anger and other destructive elements coming into play in, in, in that tug of war. You become adversaries rather than companions, I would think. Okay. I, I, I think you could put a case for any number of things being the cause, but I, what, what I'm looking at is what is the trigger point. So we've had disrespect um, and... <sighs> Is it worth taking yeah, five content. minutes to, to clarify respect? Yes. So I'll tell you how I, how I define it. I define respect as being about curiosity and being about interest in the person. It's about wanting to understand them as opposed to trying to control them 
or, or make them be what you want them to be. I don't know if that makes sense. Does anyone suppose, else see it differently? But suppose it sounds like you're saying we're trying you to, to understand the person that they are. So you honour who they are, and that's why you're curious, and that's why you 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 want to see them for who they are and understand them. So it's like acceptance is part of it. You accept them for who they are and honour yes. who they are. Yes, yeah, because it's a general respect for the person, and out of that respect comes curiosity and. A, a, a wanting to appreciate them as opposed to want them to match up to an expectation. But suppose it's a closed door. Suppose it's a closed door. You're trying to communicate with someone in order, as you're saying, to appreciate and there is no feedback. You're not getting, in other words, that's, it's a one-way street. Isn't that a lack of respect from them? Yes, but also it could be that they have um, they don't want to let you in either. And and oh. for me, that not wanting to let you in, that not engaging, is about respect because it's because if you respect someone, you engage with them, you're interested in them, and you're you're willing to have that engagement. Um, Daz, could it also be fair? Suppose. Um Suppose you feel that you have some deep, dark secrets that you don't want this person to know. I mean, you know, and so you you, you hide, you, you try to hide your true self. Um, and so you don't respond to the cues um, that are coming from your partner because you have this fear. Uh, I, I mean, I've, I've heard people say things which seem to be rooted in fear rather than you know, not respecting another person, but mm. they're, afraid, they're afraid of being ridiculed or, or afraid of not being respected themselves. So they... Yeah, so, so, so there's a question is, um, with that, if you don't trust someone, and, and that's sort of a level of res respect, and it may be that there's a, a basis to it, um, but in a relationship, do you need, like, there's, that's the point where you're going to break connection because you're only going to let someone in so far. So do we always need to let someone in? or Because that's always going to be a point where I let you in so far. And, and of course, there's good reason for it. Some people have been horrifically hurt in relationships, and so they don't let people in. Um so do we always need that? I think that point is going to be a breaking point, but that's a philosophical question is, do we, do we always need that? I believe what, what is it you're asking? Do we always need what? Um, do we need to share everything in I a relationship? I believe, Rob, at the end of the day, we all, our mind is working like a muscle. We don't know what is the breaking points. So at some point, you will have this level where you stop because that's your breaking point. It's working the same, the mind, as the muscles. So next time you can go further and you can do further and further. The question, how are you communicating? If you can communicate in this time with the same person, right? You can do continue with the same person, these breaking points. If you can't communicate it, because you try to hide, because 
you don't respect yourself, you cannot show respect for other person. So quite often it's the biggest problem is the shame. We feel inside it's that's a shame. Only one person knows what it's a shame, ourselves. The way how you tell the story, it can be shame anymore. If you don't feel shame. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think there's nothing like shuts down communication like shame. So we were talking about things like laziness. Um, and I think we touched on it in the beginning when we were talking about, um, uh, Janice was talking about people who are just black and white and they know what they know and they really don't want to know anything else. And But from that, you can um, become very boring and so the other party is bored and out of that, um, you can stop communicating because there is, and so you stop talking and um, you may find that you're not sharing many interests at all. Many, many commonalities exist between you after a while. So, so where's the point? So you find someone boring, um, so differences of opinion. Um, and so then you stop talking. But where's the point? If we analyze that and zoom in, where's the point that stops the connection? When you stop listening to each other and relating to each other, being open to each other. So why, when, when and why do we stop relating and stop listening? When you stop feeling heard by the other person, when you stop feeling heard and respected, Okay, and so where's the point where we where we where we have that difference? When we start blaming each other rather than taking the responsibilities, hmm. we like to be a little bit more victimized and be saying, "No, everything against me, the world against me, you against me." So we start blaming out rather than taking the responsibility. Whatever we do, how we respond, it's our responsibility. Or you stop reacting to the other person completely. You know, yeah, words, you, you ignore them. Mm. Some yeah. some people uh, give up too easily. Won't work at relationships. So that's why you know. Hang on, it was it was ten highs over ten dates, and now suddenly something. You know, maybe something's gone wrong. You know, the way you know where you was feeding onto. Are uh, they fun? They're boring. Well, hang on, they've just lost the job. I'm not saying it has to be always that extreme, but they've just had an argument with the mate. Well, today you're not exciting, you're not funny. And okay. can you work through that? There's a, there's just one low, and that's just a just one argument it might be a minor low. So you might say, well, hang on, you know, there's other instant higher lows where it's you know bigger lows. It's you know losing jobs, losing family bereavement, and some people do give up too easily. Um, but I had a point before and. Um, I couldn't quite get in. Um, <clears throat> well, I, go on, While that's on your mind, um, let's look at that. So why would someone give up like that if you were to put it down to one quality? Well, some people, you know, some people do 
give in too easily. Some people say we're more of a throwaway society these days, as in like, right, uh, you know, there is the temptation of online so easily where some people go, oh, I'll tell you what, we've had one argument, got this 10 other women over there, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to move on so quickly. Hmm. So, so are you talking, are you talking predominantly about short-term relationships? Uh, no, not necessarily, but you know, it's it's at the you know you've got laptops, you've got mobile phones. Some people do give in so easily just after one low, one argument, one where oh hang on, you're not so funny, you're not so you know your personality hang on isn't nine out of ten constantly no more. And it's not amazing. So I tell you what, no, I'm just going to give in and move on too quickly. Okay, so if you were to put one word on why they give up, what would you say? Um, it's commitment. And maybe, okay. maybe respect. It can be respect as well. There's another one word, respect as well. So these commitments, some people might just go, no, I'm not willing to commit to that. Could it be value as well, as in they don't value mm. you, which is why at the first mm. hurdle they just bolt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, t- to me, it came down to they don't see value and, and or secondly, they don't believe it will be. Um, they don't, don't believe it's going to work out, which really is they don't believe you're going to be a value to them, which is, um, which I think a lot of people, it, there is a snap decision because of the nature of online dating. Um. Some people blame it on alcohol and drugs as well, don't they? Oh, well, at the time, um, we weren't getting on and there was full of five pints of lager and um, it was a better, more fun opportunity. But also it depends on what you have put into the relationship, how much you have invested into the relationship um, and where it is. That kind of tempers whether you just pick up the suitcase and walk through the door or you make an attempt to try to find some common ground. Um, Because if you have not invested much, then it's very easy to say, I can't be bothered with this. This is just too much of a blooming headache. I'm gone. And you walk out. Whereas if you have invested and have connected um, with not just the person, but we all come from families and we have networks, we have um, domestic situations that we get, you know, connected in with and so forth. And it depends on what you have to disentangle as well. Um, That sometimes puts a break on a person just barging out and saying that they can't be bothered and they will calm down and reassess the situation so I think it's it depends if it's a new relationship and you haven't put down any roots it's easy to say ah plenty more fish in the sea I'm gone this one is too much problems whereas if it's somebody that you have children with you have a mortgage with you have whatever and all of those things you are more um, I think tempted to to sit down and analyze what is going wrong uh, and figure out if there is a way to work through it. If not, then you go. But I think there is another step in that that scenario. Depending mm. Doesn't that relate to values as well? Because if somebody says, I don't want to leave because I value my children, that's why they're staying, because they value. Because there's plenty of people that still walk away, even though they have kids, because apparently they don't value their children. There, there is exactly. So it's you know, um, 
Mm. And then again, it depends because sometimes people walk away from their children and if you know the details, then you probably can understand, maybe. Um, not, to, you know, but... I think also one more usually happening, that's especially in the bedroom, because they are not able to open for each other about their imaginations, what they want. So because they are unable to open, sometimes they're searching out, and that's when it's breaking out. Because they're also a little bit afraid what the other person will say if I like this, or if I like that. You know, quite often, women especially have more imagination at this side, but men's as well having. And they're afraid they get judged because of the social things, whatever. And they're afraid the partner will not accept that. Which I think it's a bullshit, because if you are enough open to each other, you will accept whatever. Just to listen, it's already enough good. I just want to follow yeah. up what uh, Daz G was saying earlier about uh, sort of throwaway society and how people are connecting through the internet. And I think that, um, you know, if you meet somebody through a group or through work or, you know, uh, just through your general life, you're less quick to treat people in a throwaway manner because you have to face them again. Um, and therefore, there's, I would describe that as having more care love and respect and value for an individual rather than block, delete, um, move on. Yeah, there's a level of, um, it can affect your social status, like you, like, like your reputation among your network if, if you're seen to act badly, whereas online you've got no connection, um, no one's going to know. Um, yeah, I think that's true. Um, and I think, yes, that we could look at what breaks connection and there's a whole lot of factors. And I think shame is a big one. I think um, disrespect. Um, I think the growth and fixed mindset is, is a real issue. Um, and I think take responsibility. Um, but for me, the breaking point is conflict is where we have that difference of opinion and um, because i think all of those things feed into i think shame stops us talking openly about our differences of opinion um and which relates to what janice said uh like particularly when you look at the the main themes that people argue it's money sex children um like social family social um things household chores um and and so like there's the whole patriarchy change like the the treatment of the slut and and where it's and, and like the whole christian dogma where it's you you can't really talk about sex openly um money equally um has like this status thing of keep up with the joneses and you don't want to tell people when you're in debt and all of these things so there's levels of shame in there and of course um, when you have um, children, you're like it is difficult to walk away from children, and sometimes we don't all know the full story. Um, but there's a judgment that, that's going to happen to us anyway. Um, so, really, um, conflict is about 
so Stella, I know you dropped out, but um, so we're saying that conflict, it could be any one of a number of issues, but conflict is real, really the, the point of difference. Now, I think we can have differences, but when we're able to communicate about them and we're able to be open about them and we're respectful um, and we um like we're working together and growing together and we take responsibility for those differences then it becomes a point where you can grow and develop and deepen the bond but the problem becomes when we ha have those points of differences and we don't talk about them or we don't confront them and often people aren't willing to be open and so you get this passive aggressive thing of you should know um, and no one really saying what they really, the real issue is. Um, there's this sense of we feel the shame or we feel um, where we don't want to, we get defensive and don't really want to discuss it or we become critical when trying to control the other person. And so that conflict makes us more and more entrenched. And so it breaks the communication. And with that, when we once we break the communication, then we start mind reading, we start judging the other person, and we see start to see them as the enemy. And that's where the disconnection comes in. So um, I think it'd be worth, yeah, and then there's there's pride and ego and all of those things um, that then become difficult and and like most okay so let's have a quick poll in the room of who is comfortable with conflict oh. so and most people but when well, we we've got about 50 50 yeah, so when we say comfortable yeah. with conflict um do we mean comfortable as in you can handle it, or do we mean, yeah, I like a good fight now and again? Yeah. It's uh, facing it regardless, isn't it? It's like, you know there's an issue, and it needs to be dealt with, um, and so, you don't want to. But. Okay, so if you're saying comfortable with tackling difficult conversations, yes. That, 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 mm. okay. <laughs> it's part case, of yes. my job, fortunately, you know. I have to do so. I'm in the daily base practicing. <laughs> you know, when you're working as the manager for 20 years, you just get used to it. But is there a difference between dealing with conflict professionally and personally? There is. It was before. If you take it too personally, but you don't need to take it personally. Nothing hurt you in the life. It's, you know, do you lose your finger? Is somebody dying from that conflict? Not really. How do you define conflict in a relationship? Are you saying when pe people disagree? Or have well, opinions? Well, I, I think you, you're always going to have differences of opinion. But if you're able to talk about it openly and you're able to be positive and constructive about it, then that can be a bonding moment where you deepen your understanding and awareness of each other. But if you um, don't talk about it honestly, and if you um, are more defensive and, and like less respectful, um, then 
it becomes uh, conflict, I think. I don't know if anyone else has got any views. When somebody just too much attached for their opinion, when you got attached for anything in the life, that's including your body, you just so defensive after, like for your thought as well. When you get attached for anything, physical things, you literally try to defend it, whatever. So you need to let that go away a bit and be listening to others and say, I understand your opinion, however, that's mine. Done. I, I, I see this as a skill and a really fine balance because if you're with somebody who's constantly critical or, oh, we didn't put salt on the potatoes or, oh, the washing up's not done again or something along those lines and you don't speak about it, then it obviously it sort of internally grinds. But if you do and you're in a relationship with somebody who's constantly nagging you or finds fault in everything you do, then, uh, yeah, so it, it's hard to know what to express, uh, me personally anyway, uh, what to express and what not to express to be nice to be around, yet also um, openly honest. Hmm. So if you don't express it, is it going to impact negatively? Negatively. Um, it depends if it keeps building. Um, and, and well, will it if you don't express it? It seems so, yeah. And if, if you express it and they're respectful then perhaps it will change the pattern of behaviour, do you think? It could possibly, yeah. Yeah, I think if it's all done in a respectful way. And if it doesn't? Disconnection, disharmony. So if someone's, to my mind, if someone's being critical, are you going to want to stay in that relationship? Like if you, if you see, I think you can bring it up and if the other person's open to it and you are able to be honest and talk about how it feels, then there's a potential for it to change. But if it doesn't, what I think what you, what you were saying is if you, it doesn't and you keep bringing it up, it just brings more and more conflict. I think what just popped up for me is delivery. So, you know, if they're sat in the living room watching TV and you shout through X, Y, Z hasn't been done, that's going to antagonise. If you're having a meal and holding hands and saying, do you know what, it would mean so much for me if you would actually uh, take the empty loo roll off, whatever, and put it in the bin or something like that. So the, the delivery counts, I think, for a lot of it. Um, yeah. And, and some of it is, um, I think there's a level of connection that a relationship falls to. And because if someone... No, if you tell someone how you feel and they don't change, like they're constantly being critical, then you can't have any more connection because then they're not, there's a lack of respect, I would say. Um, okay, so, um, so we're going to go to breakout rooms now. And what I want you to do, I'm going to give you a minute. Um, okay. Nice to see you, Ying, but um, I'm going to give you a minute to think about this before we go to the breakout rooms. And so if you look over your past relationships, 
which had the most conflict and was there a recurring theme? Oh dear. <laughs> you mean under the which? Sorry? Which relation or which uh, disconnection things? Um, I didn't get it what you mean like. Okay. In, in all of your past relationships, I, so there's, two, there's probably two questions. In all of your past relationships, which of the relationships had the most conflict? Mm -hmm. And then the second part is, is there a theme? So is there a theme to that relation, that particular relationship? And maybe is there a theme to the other relationships, conflict in the other relationships? First engagement. I confess people have been engaged twice, married once. First engagement, um, the conflict was that I wanted to go back to Jamaica to do my to be my career, and he wanted to stay in Florida. And we the only conflict was at the very end where that came up and he asked for his ring and I gave it back to him. We didn't quarrel. There was no buildup of tension over weeks and stuff. So, um, and even in my marriage, it's the same. We don't have fights, quarrels, but we tend to just make statements and it hurts sometimes. So but it doesn't linger. It doesn't linger on as a point. It's so, you know, I don't know. So are you resolving the conflict? Well, it's resolved in it's resolved in a way that's not necessarily a solution, or it may be a solution for one party, but not necessarily for both. And that that has been part of the the issue because sometimes when it is a serious matter and it's been discussed, one party will just close the doors completely and bolt bolt and lock with the key, so there's no further discussion. Um, but there is no, it's not like daggers drawn or anything of that sort. Mm. And inevitable, but inevitably what happens is that I seek to resolve the issue because it's for me, it's about my well, well-being. It's not been, so it's not really been discussed enough to understand each other's views and, and deepen, deepen. So somebody has to draw the line oh. and, inev and inevitably it's me. So, and how does that then feel? Sometimes, depending on the issue, you feel as though you've failed. Um, um, yeah, you feel that, okay, you've lost this one. It's, but then, and then you go through a period of, okay, what can you do? Is there, and I, I've done it in the past wherein I've, try to have a discussion. Um, it doesn't go any further. It may start as a discussion, but you don't get any further. You, it's like there's a block and it stops there again. And inevitably I will say, okay, there comes a point when I cannot spend much time, more any more energy on this. So I'm gone. Um, and when I do that, it's at the point where I accept whatever is going to happen and I have no regrets. I 
make sure that I have come to that position. So I don't okay. regret any decisions that I make like that. So it comes to like the block is um, where they're not willing to discuss it or not willing to be open, honest about it, like openly discuss their, their reason. Okay. Is that um, to say I've had enough, I ain't discussing it, right? I've had enough, like, you know, I give up. Um, yeah, discussing it. Some of the issues were, um, I think, very deep, deep-seated, deep-rooted issues which go back to childhood and family situation. Um, and to resolve the issue would take them to a very painful place. And I get that. But as a result of that, there's an inability to articulate anything. Um and you know remotely related to that situation so you never get a feeling of okay i understand how deeply hurtful this thing may be for the other person or um understand exactly why they have done what they have done you you can guess at it and you think about it so you have an understanding but they they won't validate it Mm. I mean, and that's and that's a problem because you are the one guessing and thinking and trying to figure out why it is and give a, um, a rational meaning to their behavior, whereas they are not. And even if you try to suggest certain things or say, is could it be because of this? Did that affect you? That kind of thing, you know, father's past affairs and whatever and treatment and blah blah family thing, whatever. You you don't get any response at all. So there comes a point when you can't where you can't go any further. So and I think that that sort of comes into um, where sort of Janice was talking about the fixed versus the growth mindset. Someone feels they can't be changed, and so they um, feel it's just going to be too painful to to discuss it. Or even trying to own up to the behavior, um, even if you are relating it to something else, to, to something in your past or something, you know, be it a stereotypical male type of behavior or something. But just to analyze it to, to even that point to say, oh, yeah, OK, maybe I did this because of, mm. um, you know, and it's so and so. No, 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 none of that. Not trying to take ownership. In other yeah. words, yeah. Okay. Have ever, ever happens with any of you, like you have one of the most beautiful things in your life, that word, it's really the sky. However, for the other person, because it's had something really bad in their past, it's actually the worst scenario. So let's see example. I love to play chess with my grandfather. I love it. It was the most guilty things for me. However, for the person was coming up like a game. And she used to be with that boy, but that boy always put it her as the last, not as the first. So she felt it really down. So she's actually angry in the game. So whenever is the game coming up, it's actually for her, it's a pain. 
However, for the other person, it's actually a beauty thing. It just immediately reaction happening, but I learned to ask after. You might can do it in the moment, just following the check back. What actually is hurt you on that? And go deeper on it. So that brings me um, perfectly. There's something that I wanted to, to share about that, where it, conflict has different levels. And so what you've done is you've gone from the, con the level of content up to the level of what's that about, the concept. Um, so I'm just going to share my screen. If Let me just check this on. So share screen. Okay, it's right. Well, it's not share my screen's not sharing at the moment. Um, but yes, yeah, so so we argue at the level of content. We argue about someone's done something, something's happening. Um and so we fight about something. But that's really about some concept, like what's the, what topic is it really about? Like the key ones are money, uh, sex, children, um, sharing out chores, um, work and, and social life. And then it's more, and then that concept fits into a context. And what does it mean to us? Like what, what about that matters? So we can argue about money and someone's arguing that they want to, like one person spends, say someone goes out and they, and they buy something expensive and then the other person comes in and, and they have a fit of them and they have this big fight and they might just, some couples just stay at that level and they say, oh, it's unre unreasonable. But I think w what Janice is, is saying is if you go above that, what's it really about? It's about money. And then the context is, what does money mean to me? And to one person, um, they need to save because they need to feel secure. Because maybe in the past, their family didn't have money and they had a, um, you know, they had to move from here to there. They were evicted and all of these type of things. So, so yeah, it can be a trigger to, for a past experience. But to someone else money is a way that you show love or money is a way that you enjoy the moment and and money is more about making the most of the now and so it's a basic conflict in our values of money and most arguments are really about we're somewhere along the spectrum of money from saving to enjoying the now like saving for security to enjoying the now. Um, and so on all of these themes, there's different spectrums. So every couple is going to have problems of somewhere where they have a difference. And if they only argue at the level of content, they're never going to understand what it really means to them. But it's the willingness to open up and to engage with the other person. And, and this is where the respect comes in of understanding what that really means, what that really means to the person. And th what that means is that you have a deeper understanding of what makes up that person. 
So when we talk about connection, it's about un different layers of the onion. And the level of connection that you're going to have is the willingness that you have to shed the different layers of understanding someone else's layers and disclosing yours. So I'm not able to, to something's up with my sharing screen. Um, but so really, I think there's two dimensions that are really key for us in dealing with conflict. And I think if you think of a, a quadrant, you've, we've got honesty at the top and honesty between from a spectrum from honest to deceitful. And it's not necessarily intentionally dece deceitful, but it's an unwillingness to share who you are, which means that you, you're, you know, it can be from shame and from these reasons. And because you're unwilling to share, you're not telling the truth. So it's not necessarily um, consciously disagreeing. And then I think there's another spectrum from respectful, from wanting to understand and appreciate who someone is, to being critical of who someone is. And so I think there's four different types of styles of how we deal with conflict in relationships. So, yeah. So I was just going to say, I just find that so absurd because that isn't the whole point of a relationship and sharing who you are. I understand that some things come with consequences or they may have um, reactions that an individual might want to avoid. But the point is, is that you want somebody to love you for who you are, not for, I, I don't, yeah, it really mm. doesn't sit right with me that. You know. Yeah, um, I, t I totally agree. Uh, I, I think the problem is which comes into a lot of things. It comes into a lot of the things that, that Janice brought up, as in shame, as in um, lack of growth mindset, um, of who some, and someone uh, might have been Sandra talked about responsibility. Um, and Errol talked about engagement and all of those things in engagement is really about a willingness to and an interest in wanting to develop, develop that connection. And, and all of that comes from the belief that you can and seeing that there is value in that. And so many people, I think, just, they want, if, if most people really analyse their approach to relationships, they'd understand that really what they want is, which plays into the whole fairy tale framework, that what someone, what most people really want is they want Prince Charming or Princess Charming to dash in, um, to see something special in them that no one else sees, and then to transform their life and solve all their problems so that they don't have to face them themselves. But what it really takes to have that level of connection is your willingness to share, to be vulnerable, to open up and to engage. And yet there's so much fear around being vulnerable. There's so much fear around letting someone in of being honest about who you are, that people stop that. And so they don't get the relationship that they want because they're not willing to show up as who they genuinely are. 
And a lot of that comes from school and parents and feeling like your big brother was was better than you and you know, your sister was loved more than you and all of those things that we all those wounds that we we've never healed and worked through. I don't think that's really like that as well, Rob. Because recently I went through about this. I wasn't really able to talk about my deep things. And the reason behind, because I didn't know it's actually something blocking me or exist. And in order, when somebody was hurt me, I went back a little bit. I stepped back. I spent a couple of days to heal myself, to let it go, to my emotion get back to the right level. And after I was able to open to the person again. And I said, okay, this is, this is how it's, and now I can share you. But that's coming from my caution mind. I actually can communicate this. So often we are not able to communicate this. I think Jay Shati was saying this really nicely. Uh, you think about how others thinking about you. So literally you creating imagination in imagination, imaginations. And you fucked up after. I'm sorry to say you can't say it other word because you actually making like foolish because you think what the other person want to think, but with your thinking. That's not gonna work. I thought um Rob was leading towards before, which I'm sure is quite a common theme or touched upon that area was you know um you're asking somebody to come in like knight in shining armor type thing is what where you were leading saying you know my dad comes into a relationship and you've been insecure in the past so are you expecting dads to come into a relationship and solve your insecurities where really you need to solve them insecurities if that's one of your weaknesses or faults you need to solve that before you take it into your next relationship and that ruins the next relationship as well. Sometimes you need to look at yourself and solve some of yourself and not expect somebody else to come into the relationship and solve them for you. Let me add one thing for this does. I've been trying like that as well. But because this is a relation problem, you need to be in a relation in order to get healed. Otherwise, this situation will not come up. So you can't get healed because this is only get triggered when you are in the situation. You don't even know it's existing this problem until it's something not triggering you. It's the only situation what make difference after the way how you communicate it. Look, I need some times now and you go for your cave. Done. But you've got to recognize your own insecurities before you can deal with them. And if you're not honest enough to look at yourself and see and understand that these are issues that need attention, then you will always um, put your uh, Put put, up, put 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 it on somebody else to try to create, as Daz is saying, um, the white knight in shining armor coming to rescue you when you are responsible for rescuing your own self. 
was going to say, Rob, um, I mean, how deep, how common and how often is the rescue syndrome? Um, and is it something that's sort of widely documented as a subconscious need? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've not seen... Um, I've not really seen any research on that. Um, for me, like not in a research context, but based on experience and, and pattern recognition, um, I see that most people come in with, the, with, with like the idea of the fairy tale model of that there's one out there. And when you meet this one, everything's going to magically work and love is going to solve all problems. So I think that is, is like the core. And, and people will say, like, I don't, you know, like, yeah, I understand, like, love's not a fairy story. But I think if you, if you examine what the problems are and you look at the beliefs underpinning that, it does relate back to that. Um, I think we have two fantasies, two key fantasies. We, if you look at with money, people believe in the lottery. If I win the lottery, all my problems will be solved with money. I'll always be secure. Mm. Where actually research shows that that, that doesn't work. Um, because even when people win the lottery, what they don't realise is then you have to manage lots of money, so you have more worries. Um, and then you also have to manage the social implications of friendships like do, are you expected to pay for everyone thing in which case you're showing off or you don't pay for things and you're a tightwad um and so it's not recognizing you still have the same problems sure. um but um so it's still about money so and then in in relationships it's i'll meet the one um and it's it's like if you just listen to common the language that people use, it shows you what they're thinking. They'll talk about Prince Charming. They'll talk about finding the one. They'll talk about, oh, um, love will find you. Um, love could be just around the corner. All of these things, which imply it's down to fate. Whereas when you really look at it, a relationship is about really, or like finding a relationship, is about your readiness times by your activity because however many conversations, however many messages and chats and dates that you have and your level of readiness to meet that person. And so it's really about thresholds. If that answers your question. I think so. I think I can see something in that and, and the patterns that we talk about and how subconsciously we would do something like that. It does make sense. Um, I guess what just sort of stood out for me there as well is that perhaps we ought to find the love we seek outside, inside first, if that's not too corny to say. And then when you connect with someone, there isn't that need or that void or that desire. There's just this person's really interesting. And then things like compatibility values and the other things that we've spoken about, well, they align or they don't. That would be a good place to start, maybe. <clears throat> I think what underpins that need for the relationship is the anxiety that you're never going to have it. <laughs> so I think what we really have is we have three core fears. We have a fear. So 
imagine that so you, like someone gets called in for a redundancy. Their fear isn't I'm going to lose my job. It goes from I'm going to lose my job to I'm not going to be able to survive. I'm going to be destitute. I'm going to be homeless. My, I'm not going to be able to feed my kids. So we we catastrophize. And in the same way, we break up from a relationship. It becomes, I'm never going to work at relationships. No one's going to love me as much. I'm going to end up on my own. No one will love me. I'll die and no one will have no, no I'll leave them there. And then the third one is, if those two are okay, then it becomes like, did my life even matter? Did anything I do make a difference? And so there's meaning. So um, it's the nature that we turn, we, we make every fear in our head, um, which is kind of like Janice was saying, like we, we make up stories about other people, but in our head we make up stories about what's going to happen. So it goes to the end, like the biggest fear. And it goes to the biggest fear because we've never really addressed how logical that is. And so we become emotionally hijacked. Um, and that's what happens in conflict because if we have those underlying anxieties, the conflict then says, you're not lovable, you're not good enough, um, they're going to leave you, um, you're going to be on your own. Um, and so the emotion ratchets, ratchets up. And so we argue over this small thing at a level that's unwarranted to what the actual um, like details of the, of the argument are about. So this leads to really uh, Howard Markham talks about um, in relationships, all couples are really arguing about three things. And this is based on, on your childhood uh, of like how you're made up of, of what you're looking for. And he says that we're either arguing for power and control. We're arguing for care and closeness or respect and recognition. So I think that's a, a good point for reflection. So we'll go back to the breakout rooms briefly. Um, and what I'd like you to reflect on is in your relationships, has there been a theme so I'll give you those again. Were you arguing more about power and control, trying to be independent and oh, I'm not going to be controlled, I want freedom? Were you arguing about respect and recognition? I want respect, I want to be seen, I want you to know who I am. Or were you arguing for care and concern? I want to know that you care about me. I want to know that I matter to you. I want to know that you're going to be there for me. And so there should be one of them that's probably more key that you're looking for. And this, this plays into where um, Daz, where Janice was talking about um, relationship wounds, like uh, Dr. Mario Martinez talks about all relationship wounds are created in relationships. So uh, the three core wounds are shame, abandonment, and betrayal. And, Shame needs honouring, betrayal needs loyalty, and abandonment needs something <laughs> like the opposite. So that because you've experienced hurt in relationship, 
there's only so much you can do on your own. But in the relationship, if someone gives you the opposite behavior, you, you can then understand and trust in other people. And which is like in, a, in attachment theory, which is our, our wounds from childhood, because of the style of attachment that we have, we might not trust our partner because our, our mum didn't act like that. And so in our makeup of how we make sense of the world, we think people aren't trustworthy because it was our mum or our dad or whoever looked after us wasn't trustworthy. Can you give those three names? Three, three, three. Um... Yeah. Um, power and control. Respect and recognition and care and concern. Okay, so I'm going to open up the breakout rooms um, just to reflect on your personal experiences. Do, were you able to, like when you look back and reflect, can you see any themes or, or particularly look at what your motivations have been when there have been conflict? So when I look back, I, c I can see mine has been more about re respect and recognition. Are you able to look at yours and, and define which of those three are, are predominant for you? I was trying to remember the second one personally, Rob. I thought two of them were, one was something to do with independence, Recognition of your independence. Uh, power, well, there's power and control, which is really about not wanting to be controlled, wanting to be free. Um, it's care and closeness, which is about wanting to be cared for, wanting to be like feel like someone cares and you matter to someone. And then there's respect and recognition, which is wanting to be uh, recognised and respected. I have a question. What does care mean to, to some people? I think care means different things to different people because some some men, for example, may think that I buy you a gift for Valentine's Day, I buy you a gift for, for your birthday, I buy you a gift for Christmas. That is an expression of my caring for you, whereas the recipient might think, not really, no. You could be doing it as a duty, especially if you buy the same set of flowers every time. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean. You've touched on something that was, was really the next bit I wanted to say, which was really, so we've got conflict on these three levels, but then cutting across that, we've got things like different, you know, like, the, so what you talk about comes to mind of the, like the five love languages of gifts, service, words, physical touch, um, whatever the, the other ones are. Um, so I think then you've got different ways of communicating. You've also got like the whole gender thing of different gender dynamics. You've got, Ah, you got you got the book there. Um, yeah, words, service, physical presence. That's it. Time and physical touch. Um, and then you've got when you look at gender dynamics, you've got the Mars and Venus, 
um, and like David Dider's um, ideas of of male and female and and all of those kind of things. Then you've got um, personality, whether you're introvert, extrovert, whether you're um, judge or perceiver, all of those things affect the way that you're going to communicate and and differences of opinions um, and your different values and and, um, like conditioning. So all of those things then determine, they bring different levels to like what is care. Um, so I would, I would say, but really th- that's about care as in other level of con- context. Um, and I think what, what you're saying is someone might see it as duty, like, you know, like get the flowers from the SO station. That's content that's ticking the box of what I, you know, like the minimum I have to do, but that's not really fulfilling the concept of making you feel cared for. So I think in, in, in NLP, uh, neuro-linguistic programming, um, one of the precepts is um, communication is the understanding someone else has. It's something like that. It's one of the precepts. So, care is the receiver has to have it don't they um opening up to different opinions because i think these are matters of opinion um but for my conception it's whether you feel cared for isn't it because often the, the difference in caring is not that you don't care it's how you show the care and, and so that the other person, so you're, you're communicating in the right way and at the right level. Which this yeah, goes back to right. communication and understanding of the person. It's an indication of that uh, because if you're do, you keep doing something that you think shows that you care, but it is the exact opposite of what the receiving the, the the recipient expects from you to shoot as a gesture of of caring. Yeah, it's like the love language, isn't it? If they that if it doesn't communicate care to them, then it, it's going to be miscommunicated. Yeah, and 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 I think well, the love language just talks about you know uh, physical where those things. But what I I think um, is really key is it's not about the content of what you do. It's about the concept of how someone feels. So care is not about, do I remember on Valentine's Day and anniversaries, but it's, do I genuinely care? And that's what Sandra's saying is, is do I have the respect to genuinely care who you are? Which goes back to what Iril said at the very beginning of, um, it's the willingness to engage. So it's all of those things. It's the willingness to engage, the respect to really be open to learning about the other person, which is the growth mindset. All of those factors into play. Go on, Iril. Well, what about the scenario where the other person values the birthdays, the Valentine's Day, the Christmases? but doesn't value these spontaneous gestures where you might say, you know what, I I actually feel love for you, so I'm going to get you a bunch of flowers because it's Wednesday. You know, there's no reason. 
or I will take you out somewhere because I because I I like it. I just want to have spend time with you. Just just because. Um, I mi- I missed like I missed the link. Um, okay, you're as confused as I'm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what I'm saying is that what about the scenario where the person doesn't seem to value those spontaneous gestures uh, in preference to the Christmases, the uh, the birthdays, and so on? It's not to say that you are not doing anything during birthdays. But they seem to count for more than the spontaneous things that you may do. Why do they count for more? Yeah, because because the person. Well, I'm just giving an example from my past. Mm. That something the person values those specific dates far more than the spontaneous gestures that you do. So yes, so, so to me, it's about um, if you're going to get to the level of the concept, it's you have to understand what in their makeup means that that's important to them, because then I I, I think what like the five love languages and um, Nicole's put them in. Uh, in the chat so so we can see them. I think the love languages show the distinctions, but what I don't think they do is I don't think they go deep enough because what what they've done, and I think this is the problem with personality sets and things, is that they group people into certain buckets and that gives you a starting point. But really we need, everyone's individual and we need, and this is what respect is, is like understanding what is the makeup why so and so what that means is so what we've got there is a conflict on the on the level of content so they're um wanting i i i don't they're valuing christmas and birthday presents but not the in so then that, that becomes the concept what's that about and that's about gifts and caring and it's so there's the difference but what's the context and the context is what does that mean to that person? What does it mean to you? So I'm I'm so what I'm hearing from that is the impulsive, and, and I would agree with you. I'm like I don't believe in tradition and I don't believe in rituals and customs. I think we should do what we feel. I think that has more meaning. Um, because there are people that would just tick the box and they'll send a card um, at a birthday, but they're doing the minimum that they have to do. So the, the difference is at the level of the concept. And there's something like, I, I don't know, but, and, and, and again, that's individual. And that's why we have to, and it's the ability to like have that discussion and then reveal what it really means. So, so that, that care and concern is a two-way thing. It's the person, like the other per- the partner, being willing to give that care and concern. But it's also the person wanting the care and concern, opening up and and saying what they want, and enabling that. You you, you have to be receptive. 
it's it's a mm. two way thing and um but here is the difficulty um um in that equation in that they for it to work they have to be on the same wavelength what you want to give and what i want to receive need to coincide in more ways than one not necessarily all the time but there has to be some commonality because the giver also wants to be appreciated by the receiver because if you see if you don't show that you are um receptive and that you appreciate what the giver is given after a while they don't want to give because it never gives them any pleasure because to see from the receiver doesn't give them any pleasure that, that's that's a brilliant point because what that sort of symbolizes is what's behind the impulsive gifts uh, respect care and concern there's a few there so is it care and concern or is it um as errol said just wanting to be with the person and having and enjoying a moment or you know something and it, it can it can be and i'm and i'm looking back and i'm thinking for me, it was a feeling. It just I, I felt that way because I mm. wanted to. There was no, there, there wasn't a particular event or anything. You just I'm driving home, and you know, sitting in the traffic, and I suddenly start thinking. You know, your mind wanders, and then you think of her, and you go, you know what? I really feel for you. You know what? I'm gonna just drive in and get this. I, I'm I'm I hope it will make you happy. You know, just because I I thought of you, and I wanted to. It's not because it was expensive or, you know, it might have been from ESO, but the point isn't that. The point is that I thought of you and I wanted to get you something. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking and I'm thinking, um, in, in, like in times when I've done that, is it um, then searching sort of for respect and recognition? On some level of, it, I've done him, this. You give him respect. You give him respect, aren't you? You give him this. But, as, but, as Sandra said before, you can you can give and you can receive. So, I'm going to go and buy Rob some a chocolate bar. Well, that's respect because I know what you like. I know you like this particular chocolate bar. I tell you what, I care about you. I appreciate, and also I appreciate trying to make you smile or happy. There's that chocolate you like. It's not. In, it's inexpensive, but there you go. Because I want to make you happy, and I want you to maybe on the opposite as well. I want you to appreciate what I can do for you. That's what I'm saying. When I'm looking it's back, a give and receive there. Sometimes, when you're giving that, it's in search of that respect and recognition. And sometimes people do something in order to get that care and concern. And so they give with a with an intention to get. Sometimes it's subconscious, and 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 I'm not using that example, I roll of you, but I'm looking at my own motivations at times, and and it's not like you're consciously going, yeah, I want to get this back, but there is some of that level, um, and so sometimes we give what we want to get. Did, but didn't that used to be a joke, really, for men saying, oh, he's bought you flowers, what does he want, or what's he done? Yeah. Right, you know, what, why it's a classic. <laughs> here's some flowers, because I want to go out with the lads on Friday night. 
or what's he done to upset you? A bit of a common joke, weren't it? Yeah, it is, but I think it's 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 picking up on the truth. And I think sometimes it's more subtle than something you've done or, or, or you want, but it's that you you do want them to be happy, but you want them to be happy so that they're happy with you. Exactly. So sometimes it's just a hug or a smile, but it's a feeling of warmth and receptivity towards you. And that is the reward that you're looking for. It's not mm -hmm. something necessarily tangible. So you're right. You wanted to elicit something that um, makes you feel good. So you get, it, that's your reward. You get a reward in return. Um, because if the person looks at what you have done, and um, they frown or they throw it in the bin or something, you know, it's like, oh, what's that? I mean, you know, you know, I don't like that or behave in a not a nice way. Then you're crushed. That feeling of goodwill and that warm feeling that you have to the person that you felt and you brought home, you're expecting to get it back, even as you say, subconsciously. I mean, sometimes, you know, it might not be your... Uh, well, I mean, you're in a relationship, right? It's a two-way conversation. Um, and if you don't both uh, put something into the relationship, then uh, it's, it, as it says, takes two to tango. If you only got one person, it's not going to work out. You can't carry the other person around the dance floor. So you've done something. Okay, you got flowers, a bar of chocolate, whatever it was. Um, the other person should at least acknowledge that, you know, you thought of them, you're going to trouble. Similarly, they may do something for you. Um, I don't think it's a manipulative or wrong that you've done something and the other person, of course, you're expecting some form of uh, response back. It's only natural. Um, but uh, because that you are there as a, as a couple sharing a life journey. And, you know, you're doing something spontaneous for them because you thought of them. And it's really for them to recognize that you had that feeling for them and that you still care for them. And, all that. and you don't necessarily need to sit there and go, oh, I really love you and all the rest of it, always. Yeah, you may do that, but sometimes you do it through other ways as well. Um, and if there isn't that reciprocation, I suppose, then, you know, you do it and you get nothing. It's, it's almost like men management, as, as Janice was saying, you know, if you manage your people only by telling them when they're wrong, you're not going to get good results out of your people. So you need that feedback. I think the subtlety to this is, is not that you're doing something manipulative. It's the fact that what's happening is what you're doing, the response to it, and why the response is not um, as effusive as, you, as you'd like, is hidden. That's unknown. And so you then, you give, so for example, if, you, if you're in a situation, now we're human, and most of us, if we give something like that, and, we, and we're not met with an effusive response or the response that we, we feel it warrants, then we feel hurt and we feel rejected. And what, and in that, because it's done symbolically, it's done through gifts, 
if we're not discussing those feelings, then what that does is that creates that disconnection because that then creates where, like a judgment of the other person and you feel like they're ungrateful, they don't care. They're not recognising me. Um, and so that plays into what, what we're all innately looking for from connection. And then so that then becomes the conflict that creates the disconnection. Does but that make sense? Yes, but the, uh, the other side is if you give me something that is... It's not expensive. It's probably something that's kind of obscure and probably very insignificant. But you know that it's something that I care about, that I love. And you give me that. Um, it tells me a lot. It tells me that one, you listen, you observe me. You know the things that um, trigger pleasant thoughts, memories, emotions in me. And that is a signal from you to me, you giving me that. And for me, I am receiving in that little token, a whole lot of things that's much bigger than the thing that you're giving me. And I look at you with renewed respect and I say, he does care about me because how did he remember that, you know? Mm. There's an ice cream in Jamaica called ice cream, I-S-C-R-E-A-M. And it's made with fruits, Jamaican fruits. And it's listed as one of the number, one of the top 10 in the world. If you give me a tub of that, I'm yours. I tell you, I'm God. So when anybody gives me that, I'm your friend. And it's just a simple thing. It doesn't cost a lot. It's ice cream. It's going to melt. I'm going to eat it. It's gone. It's not a diamond. It's not a car. It's nothing. But the fact that you know that I love this thing and you think that you can go in that long line and you can get me a tub of that and bring it home for me. Oh, boy. You are in my good books <laughs> as long as I've got that. I, I'm, I'm just telling you. Have have we found something that supersedes our rules? Apple crumble? No, no, it's not here. I, I've enabled sharing screen so we can have a poll here. If you want to share your apple crumble, and we'll put it side by side with the ice cream. Oh gosh! But also, I believe sometimes we just overrate the product. You know, like what I did last year when we reopened the restaurants. I did for all of my team members what I learned from them in three words. And in one sense, I described their whole personality. And most of them, they really tear. They just love it. And I had to spend probably like three, four days for 17 team members to do that. And I was even challenging myself not using the same word for that 17 person. It's sometimes it's just a matter how you give it. It gives so much more values. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it really matters what the gift is. It's it's like Sandra says, and and, and it's about 
showing that you really understand the makeup of the person and you cared enough to give them something relevant or, or in your example that you cared enough to work out what they were really about how, how many of just a quick poll who has ever had something from work from a relationship where someone is really you feel they really understood the essence of you what you cared about and they gave you something like that and how did you feel about that person uh, highly it's, they've listened hmm. oh well you know <laughs> Uh, if you want a quick example, you know the you know I, I like my chocolate, and somebody at work found out it was my birthday, and just went out to the shop and bought me like three or four chocolate bars, and just saying there you go, thanks for all your work. It's like cost a quid, two quid. I wasn't bothered. I just and they they knew what click my switch. Um, yeah, but but I will go back. You said a few moments ago it doesn't always have to cost money or something along them lines a few moments ago it doesn't matter but it matters that they listened or something like that you said but there are people in life and i'm not saying it's just women but who would turn the nose nose up at going oh look i bought your watch and it's like it's a 10 pound watch it's not a gucci it's not a whatever it's not a two grand watch there are still people in life who would turn the nose up at i realized you know it's just, it's inexpensive or, oh, look, there's some shoes that I bought you that I thought they were your colour, but they're from Primark. I'm like, mm, no, just not, you know, just not. The, the, it still needs to be expensive. You know, come on, I bought us uh, an overnight stay in a Premier Inn and they're like, mm, no, I wanted to stay in, you know, a Hilton. And it's just like, no, that's not good enough. That's not the, that's not my standards. Well, I, yeah, I think I, I think there's um, certain people that are looking. You know, there are certain people that have that they need the the name clothes clothing, and they need the designer watches and stuff like that. Um, and then there's also I think there's like gender and taste issues. Of I don't think I've ever bought anyone something like clothing or anything like that where I haven't got it horrendously wrong. Um, I just wouldn't wouldn't do that. I've got no taste. Um, I've got no sense of style. I just, I know I can't, um, like, I just, I just wouldn't be able to know someone else's stuff. So it can be because it's the wrong person or it can just be because, like, you don't understand their, their taste. It doesn't really boil down to taste. Or let's, let's just use the hotel example. On the person who turns their nose up, does it equate to, well, what kind of value are you placing on me if you've booked us in at um, a Holiday Inn or something as opposed to Ritz-Carlton or whatever? And does it also reflect the level of thoughtfulness if somebody's just picked up a, a pound shop watch or actually gone and looked? And, you know, so what I'm trying to communicate here in a really jumbled way is that it's actually, I, I feel more the thoughtfulness or the intent behind it, how much effort, how much connection was made, then the individual saying, well, it's not good enough or it's, they might still do, but does that make any sense? Probably not. 
It does, but I, I, it does. I, uh, so what I understand um, from what you're saying is you're saying that um, the thought should count. Yeah. Okay. And I think there's a subtlety to that in that if it, if you've bought flowers um, and you've bought them thinking, ah, if I get flowers, um, it, it's thoughtful. But then I think there's a perception of, okay, you bought them at the garage. They were a fiver. You were getting petrol anyway. <laughs> you, you, you know, you quite kind of stumbled across it. So it, it's less thoughtful. It can be, we're going away to a hotel um, and I think sometimes there's a perception that you've you've got a deal, you've got it, you you, you saw this deal or something like that. Um, so <clears throat> so I think it depends on the 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 um, the gift and the meaning it has to them. It's the perception because it, if it seems like they like you've done the cheap op, not necessarily the cheap option, but the cheap or the convenient option. Um, then it seems like you've got something off the shelf, something easy. I think whereas the example that Sandra used was something that you'd have to know Sandra well enough to know what she would really value. So if, whereas if, and that, this is why I brought up the, the issue of the, like the tasting clothes, like I wouldn't touch clothing because I know the chances of me understanding a woman's taste is like I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do it, and I know that whatever I got, it would be like, "What have you got this for?" Um, I, you know, however politely they put it, does does that make sense? And it would be interesting for um, probably women m more to comment. Um, who might have a slightly different perception because I think there is a, diff a gender difference well, in I, our I really conditioning. Like the, the phrase that Carl used when he said the intention behind the gift because I think that an example of let's say you invite someone out and you take them to a Weatherspoons for a two pound fifty beer as opposed to a, a posh nice um, you know, bar. Well, what's the intention behind it? If you're being cheap, then that is offensive, isn't it? It's not flattering. But, you know, I got criticised once because I got somebody a £5 bunch of flowers from Aldi. But what, what, what I'm saying is the, if, the intention behind, if, if the intention behind it is uh, genuine, if all you can afford is, is, is obviously somewhere cheap, then that's fair enough. But if you can afford somewhere more and then all you offer is cheap, then that's not attractive, is it? Does it always, is it the phrase, it's the thought that counts? So, so what Betty's saying is, what was the thought behind it? But yeah, exactly, I, I was, because I was just uh, about in it, what I, and I've had an example where somebody offered me a date on a Tuesday morning, which was on the Monday night. So instead of him making plans in advance for the Saturday night or something that would have been a, a premium night, he was offering me the day after, and he was inviting me to go to Weatherspoons, and I took huge offence at that. It's not ideal, is it? <laughs> no. So that's why, that's why I say, when you say what's the intention behind it, you know, you, you communicate your intentions by your actions, don't you? It's a good point. I got a bunch of flowers from off the street for my birthday from a certain young gentleman. And that told me, uh-uh. 
this is not going to work. Reason being, young gentleman was very comfortably off and could have ordered flowers. He knew what I liked. He knew the kinds of flowers that I liked. It was an afterthought. There wasn't even a ribbon. There wasn't even a card. It was still <laughs> wrapped in the, I mean, literally it was, okay, gather up a bunch of bush, because it was like bushes, <laughs> it was just leaves and everything. I'm serious, a big, big bunch, and kind of, hi, this is for your birthday, and left, and then proceeded to call me from his house. Um, yeah, well, you know, and it was your birthday, but so and so and so, 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 um, day after my birthday, I said, you know, nah, this doesn't work for me. I think it can depend on context. He was sending me a message. It's fine. He was sending me a message by doing that. I think it can depend on context sometimes, but it's like, I think you're talking about effort, aren't you, really, as well? How much, if if someone's more well-off, if they're less well-off, what they can afford type thing can come into it, definitely so. Um, but he agreed after a while that, yeah, he didn't care. He did, he, did, he did not care. So this was his way of showing that he did not care and he wanted it to be over, which was fine by me because I wanted it to be over too, I must confess. So. And take your bush with you. <laughs> when, when, when Nicole uses the word effort, could you, could you use the word investment as well? Because it, it's not about what they've spent or what they do or don't have, but it's what they're willing to invest. So someone who has a basic income, if they invest something that is proportionately uh, significant to them, then they're, 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 again, they're showing you their intent, aren't they? Mm, yeah, indeed. And where, where they're willing to, yeah, they're well, where they're willing to put their effort, where they're willing to go to um, on particular occasions. Okay, can we just have a quick show of hands, right, from, from the men? Um, in, your, in your honest point of view, um, is the difference between a supermarket um, bunch of flowers and um, a like delivered, ordered online, delivered bunch? Is there like I'm trying to look at? Um, is there a value? Like you, you might pay six times as much getting it ordered online. I think the way I will put it is you go to the local supermarket and get a nice bunch of flowers versus you go to a local florist and you have a bunch made up. Yes. Yeah, so so um, in terms of that, maybe that's six times the price. Yeah, but there's still a difference in size, isn't there? If you pay 30 quid from a florist, you can still get, spend 30 quid on a lot more in a supermarket. But I will still give a couple of examples because one time I wasn't, me and, my, me and my ex weren't getting on and I was due to go out on a night out, possibly the night before Valentine's Day, possibly, or even the day of Valentine's Day. And I, I gave some supermarket flowers and dropped one a window, four pound, five pound, whatever they were. And I just thought, well, 
I was just showing no matter how we're not getting on, these are few, and they were appreciated. But there was other instances where it was thrown back in me an argument. I don't think on that occasion, I can't remember. But then she was criticising, oh, well, sometimes it's not exactly a big bunch, 30 quid bunch, you get me. It's just supermarket flowers. But the other quick example is, I once went, what, about a 40-minute, 45-minute round trip on my lunchtime to walk from my work to the Arndale in Manchester and purchase some goalie gloves for a little boy who cost me about £5. I walked back to work and she appreciated it because he loved them. And it was, it's, there you go, inexpensive, £5, £6. But his reaction was he loved them and yet she appreciated and said you didn't have to do that. But I knew he was after some goalie gloves or he'd been playing in net a lot. So I was like, oh, I could go and get a cheap pair on my lunchtime and turn up and go. And they weren't for anything, but the Christmas, it was, hmm. I bought you them. Yeah, and it, because that it's was free. effort. So <laughs> the investment there isn't money, it's time and effort. And it's very specific. So I, I'm with you, Daz. Like I look at, like, what you get when you order online... And the price compared to, you, like, you could pay the same in a supermarket. And I think, okay, you get far more. But I understand there's a difference in female perception. And um, maybe we can... But is it masculine feminine or does it really boil down to sentimentality? You know, that, that's, that's what I think it counts for and stands for. That the fact that he did that and the distance and all the context around it. Um, was more powerful than the actual individual thing and valued therefore. It's not the price. It's not the price of the... Of it's the, the way how you give it, no? The, mm -hmm. it, 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 it is the perception. Oh, I I need to get some flowers. Last resort. It's the last... It's, it's, it's an afterthought. So I'm going to just pick up a bunch at the supermarket or at the petrol station on the way home because I forgot I didn't. So that's that's what comes across. Oh, it's an afterthought. Um, it's not the price because it could have been a very expensive bunch of flowers from the supermarket. But you did it. Ah, you did it. You just did it because you knew you should do it. I guess it's the difference between thoughtfulness and that'll do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to do it so I'm not in a doghouse. <laughs> <laughs> so let me grab a bunch. Let me grab something. So that's so similar like with the restaurant as well. <laughs> why we go for the restaurant and why we don't eat at home? That's similar there as well, no? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I can think of examples in my family whereby um, actual given cash is almost offensive compared to gifts, you know, and that was received with not disdain, but almost like, oh, thank you, because it had no meaning to it. Whereas actual yeah. gifts or some sort of thought or time, energy and effort. So, but yet you still have the money, you could get whatever you want, but it had no connection to sentimentality. And actually, like some people will go to the effort of getting you a voucher and then you're stuck with this voucher that you can't you can't right. use anywhere and it's like could i just have the cash <laughs> um, also the money means that you you 
having received the money, you now have to make the effort to go and purchase something. <laughs> you have to go think about it, then make the purchase, etc. Um, and then that becomes your possession. It's what you bought, even though the money is from the others. It's your thing. Whereas when you have a gift and you look at it and you think of the person giving it to you, you really appreciate it. And I don't throw away gifts. Anything that somebody gives me, I keep it, right? Whereas if I buy it, even if I if I bought it with money from you, I, I don't make the connection with you. So I can dispose of it because I went out and, and got it. You know, it's not something that you give me. I think I can relate for that very good. Somebody was saying, when you get the gift card or any card, and when you receive from your children's with the drawing one, which one you keep it longer? Oh, and which one will emotionally trigger you? Obviously, which is drawn. Sad. Um, It's, it's really about what it what it means to you, isn't it? Um, so just quickly running through, <clears throat> see that, um, but quickly running through, just quick fire. Can you think of a time when you felt that someone cared, when you were shown that someone cared? And how did you, how did that, like, how did you know that they cared? So Sandra gave the example of the, the ice cream. In my last relationship, um, I, I um, listened to audiobooks in bed, um, but the cover for the um, thing was broken, so it kept sort of like falling out and smacking me in the face when I was half asleep. Um, and I'd related this to him. So he'd said something about this thing that you can get, um, and he wanted to get one as well, so that it holds it in place for you. Um, and I wasn't expecting him to actually get one for me, but he came around so excited, saying, look, you know, look what I've got for you, and fitted it. And he was so proud and prideful of helping me in that way. Um, and it was actually nice, because I didn't necessarily expect him to do it, but it was just really thoughtful. Um, yeah, and it just... It was lovely that he'd actually listened and tried to help in that situation. And so, and so what, what impact did that have on you? You felt cared for. Mm, yeah, yeah. I felt listened to, cared for, and um, thought of, I guess. And so you were more, more connected. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And you think of the person as being thoughtful, as a thoughtful person. So that's a positive that you add to the person. My team was once made a cake for me, with coconut. They actually made themselves. It was so lovely. You know, they just not just went out and buy something. They did it for me. 
It just was so blissful, you know. It's I just can't describe that word, you know, like that feeling what I had with the words. It's just wow. They knew it. I like coconut, and they made it. Wow. I think it was just like a birthday hamper with a certain style of foods that I really liked, and uh, it was very specific to me. And un unexpected or uninitiated or anything like that, or even unwarranted maybe. But, yeah. yeah, 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 it's 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 just feeling that's really I think what all of us humans want in all of our relationships. Uh, you know, where people have problems at work is because they don't feel seen, understood, cared for. Um, and so it is just being seen for who we are and showing that someone else cares, that we matter to someone. It's also about getting, well, you know, it's kind of T-shaped, but... Um getting pleasure from giving somebody else pleasure uh, you you feel pleasure you feel happiness that you are able to elicit a good feeling in somebody else now rob are you saying that the third component is caring then so it was communication caring and more um was it meant to be three uh, finger bobs? What in the in the three keys? Yeah. Um, we were actually talking about a conflict, so it was connection. Um, the way we build connection is through conscious conf conversation, um, and the way that we create disconnection is from conflict. Okay. So it's it's interesting that we all have this basic desire. We all want to be good people. We all want to care for others. We all want to give to others. We all want to be seen. We all want to be cared for um, and, and understand. And yet there's been so little of it throughout history. You know, in, in the context of the conflict and the wars and... Um, the hardships of people's lives. Like, I think our our time um, is the first time when you've had things like random acts of kindness and they've been, like, propagated. People have always done random acts of kindness. There's always been instances of kindness. But it's probably the first time where there's been such a, um, like, so many books and things written on it when you look at the amount of books that have been written on war, more strategy on um, winning, but so little on caring and giving and generosity and kindness. So I think that it's conflict and a sensitivity to conflict that has created that and so we've been it's easier to fight 
um, and to like fight in all of its in all of the levels from individual to organizational to societal um you know like country versus country in a war or person versus person is that we've we've been so quick to jump to the conflict when really what we're all looking for is that care and concern and connection and so underlying that is really um i think and <clears throat> um, an anxiety and unworthiness and a fear of rejection and a fear of so so when i look at conflict over history conflict has always been about the church it's been religious wars it's been um for power for domination for country for resources but i think we've reached the tipping point as a society where we're not when you look at the bigger countries we can't really go and you know like here in the uk we we got rich from every other country from colonizing from conquering um and mining africa and india and taking all the resources from those countries but it's not it's not acceptable that I don't think the UK could invade another country and take it over anymore because there's so much news and um, other countries would interfere. So I think that level of power and domination um, no longer really has a place. And so now it's about political influences, about globalization of McDonaldization of Nike and Coca-Cola and people like that winning the minds and controlling minds of people. So I think there's a shift generally in our society in how we see conflict, how we deal with conflict. And increasingly, I think we have to, ha you know, it, when you look at the industrial age, it was about control sit there at that place, produce these. Um, and like Henry Ford had pitched fights, like all out battles with his workforce. Whereas now people can't do that. Companies can't do that. And so they have to have consensus. They have to have your agreement. Um, so there's a general change and relationships used to be about control. It used to be where women didn't have any power. They had to they had to go along um, and they were forced in situations where increasingly the last 50, 60 years have been about women's independence has changed the whole dynamic, which means that we have to change how we do relationships. And so we have to where where we could exist with conflict i think now where it's not about physical survival but it's about emotional satisfaction we're looking for the ability to manage that conflict and so that we can maintain the connection because people aren't going to stay in a relationship where they don't have a connection and if conflict is the breaking point it's because we're not willing to be honest and because we're not, we don't care enough to be respectful. Respectful as in being curious and understanding how someone ticks and what's going to work for them. 
And so the key to dealing with conflict and maintaining connection is about paying respect and being honest and not just not lying, but about honesty in revealing who I am. Because in revealing who I am tells you like the level that I'm willing to disclose myself, the wet level I'm willing to connect with you at. And so if we take, so that's relationships. And then if you take it back to dating, when people date, often it's been about a projection. So if you look at what people, when people go searching for dating, if you look at the dating videos on YouTube or things that show up on you on your Facebook feed, it's about, this is the text you have to send. This is how you have to be. And inherently in that is the presupposition that you're not good enough as you are. And so you're starting a relationship from a basis of pretending to be someone else, which means that the relationship is fundamentally flawed because you're not being yourself. And the, the point when you can no longer play an act, play a role, and you have to be yourself is the point where someone realizes they've been in a relationship, someone other than you. And so there's an inauthenticity to it, which then becomes the breaking point of the relationship. And so it all begins with having that sense of worthiness of understanding your value, being able to express it authentically of showing who you are and having the courage which is about the growth mindset, as, as Janos talked about, um, of being willing to grow into the person that you like the best of you and being able to express that. So that's really the three keys to successful relationships, having that connection. <laughs> being able to develop that connection by understanding each other and not shying away when you have that conflict. So I don't know if anyone's got any, um, any other thoughts before we close up. So what the, sorry, what are the three keys? Connection, not avoiding conflict and what? Connection. Conversation, meaning conversation being the conduit through which we can share who we are, yeah. like consciously, and uh, conflict being the breaking point where we shy away from that connection. But there are rules of engagement that we need to learn to deal with conflict effectively, though. Yeah. Um, I, actually, I did have down the, the nonverbal communication um, not non-violent non communication, um, which is probably the best model for that, um, as in observe, they have a four-part um, idea. I mean, it starts from the, from the presupposition that, that someone wants to help you, someone cares, um, and then they start with, um, if you start the level of observation, of what I observe is, and then your feelings, how I feel about that is, 
um, what I need is, would you be willing to, or could you um, do that? But we, I think that's worthy of a um, uh, of a theme in itself of a night um, discussion discussing that. But yeah, definitely, um, I don't. I think there hasn't been enough <clears throat> work on dealing with conflict because the way we've always dealt with conflict has been through force, and so it's either been threat, like in a in a in the old style marriage, it was like the, the, it was that actual literary force. You know, when you, if you look back maybe a hundred years, it was the threat of violence. If you look at on a country's basis, it was the threat of violence. Um, and I think a lot of the problem with the police is that ultimately governments are, police are enforcing governments by force. Um, and now we're saying we want consensus or we want agreement, or we want some participation in that. Um, and um, on a personal basis, it's through, through legal force. And so um, I'm also a mediator, and mediation is a, is a growth area in in that what can cost 100000 200000 pounds to settle legally can be settled for one, two, three thousand pounds. Um, and through the process of mediation. So, and that is really about an agreement. And that agreement is based in on not staying attached to the outcome, but being willing to be flexible and find the point of agreement. And that's really key to what we we need to do in relationships is finding i don't think it's necessary compromise because the the old thing of has been always been compromised but compromise means that no one gets what they want um and it's about if you really understand what that what the conflict is about to that person and that needs them to to be open enough to reveal it then you can resolve the conflict and it may it may be there are conflicts where they are breaking points, um, and, but you can leave the relationship with respect. You can relieve it on a on a note like, okay, this isn't going to work because of this. Whereas, otherwise, the conflict then becomes destructive, and it becomes de destructive to both parties as they move forward, and so there's so much hurt that they then take in to next relationships. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it, we definitely need to, to know more about conflict um, and how to deal with it and not take it personal and, and all of those things. But Rob, if you think about how they teach us in the school and from family childhood, I'm the right, you're the wrong. That's usually the parents saying as well, basically. I'm who paying the things, you don't have a right to say a word. Teacher, what they say to you in the school, that's the right. I'm the teacher. You don't even have a chance to challenge it. So why we surprised people have so much insecurity? Because they grow up, they're not good enough. They are not a teacher, they are not this. So that's simple, mm -hmm. our generation. We have to change the education in order to get move on 
it's it's exactly the the same dynamics as the bully in the playground, but when the teacher does it because of their authority, because of their position, um, which is exactly the same as the government does, um, which yeah is is about and it's really is about um, as David Hawkins talks about the power versus force. Um, and he says, like, if you're above the line, um, you have power and you don't need to force things. But below the line is about force, and it's about control. And the key to relationships, I believe, is that line, is that a below the line relationship is, is where you try to change, you try to force or you try to manipulate someone. And above the line is where both parties have the freedom to be themselves. Can I just touch back on something you said a bit earlier, which I just want to know there's a little bit of insight on that. Uh, you talked about communication and what I was um, what I was wondering is, is that if you say have a date and the, the talk is mostly superficial or not very meaningful, is that indicative of a subtext or could it be that actually, you know, um, if they really liked you, they'd be asking you, well, do you have family and your brothers and really trying to get to know who you are or is it not quite as clear cut? Um, I, again, I think it depends. And this is where like the respect thing is, is working out. Why are they doing that? Because they don't know any different because they think that's the rules of engagement. Um, or is it a superficial? I think most people, um, I don't think we really got into I, I had a bit last week where I was going to go into small talk, but kind of accelerated because people sort of got to where, like where we were later. Um, but generally, who likes small talk? Um, and I, I don't think many people what, what do. Is your, what is your definition of small talk? I think it's... Um, I nice think it's... Weather. it's <laughs> yeah, it's impersonal. Oh, I, I think. Would you agree that small talk is it? it it's what, things that you don't really care about, but they're stereotypical conversations. Not diving deep. Hmm. It, it's. I think it's um, a conversation you could have with anyone. I can do it, but I can't say I love it. Hmm. I don't think many people do like it. I mean, there are there are some people I've heard to do, but I think most people really prefer to talking about something something else. And I think some of that we touched on last week is some of it is because you don't want to connect, and you just automatic responses. Um, I, I I'm like I'm aware I just have automatic responses, and it's I say it before I haven't even thought of it. I just how are you? Fine. Um, and yes, yeah, so some of it is that. So I, so if you were on a date, I, for me, I think I would go deeper and because that, that's like a dance. If you go deeper and they get, and they go with it then they want to, if they don't, then they don't want to. And, and then it's why. Um, and, yeah, often it's because they don't want a connection. And it, it can, it's not necessarily that they don't like you, it, but it can be because they don't want to, um, they're not ready to go deeper. 
Definitely. I had that problem. What, as in you or, or in the interacting with someone? Uh, no, I mean, I wasn't really open, open to the people. Somebody touched me, literally, physically. And since that time, I felt break. And uh, it was three years ago. And I started opening up. So what was in that? So like, because anyone else could have done the same, but there's something in the meaning that it had to you that meant it opened you up. She literally was genuinely care about how I feel. And also she did something what others was unable to do. It's get to my zone and she hugged me, which literally I never felt it like that before. Might be, you know, it's the kind of touch what you felt like when the mother touching first time the kids. That kind of touch I felt. I, I don't know if I can describe in different way. It's just the way she was just there and hugged me. So that made it, that made you it feel safe. It made you feel accepted. It made you feel something that was missing before. For a second, yes. But that's make me so scared as well. In the same time, I literally have to go immediately after. Mm. I couldn't talk for, you know, for three, four days. I was just shut completely. I didn't know what's going on with me. The other phenomenon that I've noticed as well with, you know, a frank or very personal communication is it can go the opposite way from chit-chat to um, comparing scars, right? And then the trouble is with that is that then it opens up a vulnerability and then one or either or both parties go the opposite ways because it's so scary because they've exposed themselves emotionally. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing that happens occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think for it, it has to be safe. And in that sense, it means even when the person runs away, like the other person has to not take it personally, not chase, but just stay safe. So that whatever that they say, it is safe. And then they have, and they may or they may not, but um, it gives them the opportunity to trust. And it's not, it's not about, like if it was you, it's not about you, but it's about their willingness. You know, like someone else could um, have had Janos's experience, but not taken it in that way. And it's about the willingness to grow. Um, and, and I think that's a filtering thing for telling you the level of connection that you can have with someone. Because what it does is, so I think a lot of the times when in relationships with dating, we want, we get fixated on the yes. And sometimes the yes is more, is worse, is more damaging, but we want to get to the honest answer as in like, sometimes the worst thing is, is 
you know, like people are so afraid of rejection, but sometimes the worst thing is to get the yes because you get the wrong person. Um, and it's better to have the honesty. Um, and if you're going to have a, a break two years down the line, if you can get the quicker you can get to that, like if you're open to relationships with people, you want to get and find the level of connection as quick as you can. And it, rather than it being two years or seven years, like with you in this kind of limbo, you want to get to the answer if you can get there in six months. Yeah, but and you know also, Rob, what we do, we try to avoid the pain, but we forget one thing. Pain is part of the growth system. You must have pain in order to grow. That's how the seed as well, breaking the bubble, the wall. You need to have pain. Without pain, no gain. It's a kind of pain you need to have, which you can take as the pleasure. It is. Um, and the, the difficulty with that is like if you if you've ever if you ever go to the gym or you or you work out at home and, and like I have this and I and I'm there and I'm like, oh, it's gonna hurt. Oh, I don't want to do it, it's gonna be uncomfortable. Um and so we instinctively have that, we stop ourselves and I think emotionally we do the same. Um yes, it's it, it's it's recognizing like it's not that easy. It's not what, um, and, and again, in relationships are not about one instance. They're about patterns. And any one thing is only one data point. And it's the data point gets you like a scatter graph, which gives you the pattern. And it's the pattern that's more important than the specific instance. Um, and so someone might not be ready at that time. But if you're steadfast and you're, you like, you, have the confidence and, and to make it safe and the, that can give them the trust. But who said it has to be easy? Mm. The valuable things, it should never be easy. Yeah. Otherwise you will not value. Yeah. And, things, sorry. No, I was just going to say that, but one of the things that we, um, have come to expect is that it's the solutions should be around the corner. It's not for the long haul. Um, it's instant oats and instant whatever. And so the effort and the time that is required or maybe required, um, many of us are not willing to contemplate um, undertaking that, that, that exercise. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and that talks to the um, George Leonard's idea of the dabbler, the obsessive and the hacker. Um, and um, where we talked about mastery in relationships where, um, and I think this is about the anxiety of relationships that people like the ups and downs in two months of, of they get so caught up in what's happening now when really what we want to be looking at is like, what's the long-term goal of what's the relationship I want? Um, and then what are the behaviors and the habits that I need to, and the practices that I need to do day to day in order to be that person that, that can have that relationship. And that is, um, in a world where, 
we're looking for instant delivery food and, and next day delivery on Amazon and all of those things, it's the exact opposite. That the commodities, there's a race to get them quicker and quicker. Um, and that's a race that the physical world can give. But the emotional, because at this very time when we, we've got next day delivery, you can same day delivery food and all of these things, there's more and more depression, anxiety, suicide, because the emotional things that we want, no one can give us. It's only us that can build ourselves into the person that has the capacity for it because there's no quick fix and it's really ultimately not about other people but about us because if we do what the things that we have to do the practices the habits we become the person that finds our people who we're able to be in that context that we are able to get that connection and most when you listen to most complaints about relationship it's about the situation there not being any decent men or women or no one wanting relationships or it's about their partner oh if my partner did this oh they did this oh what what, what they've done but really the key to relationships is ourself is about how we show up how we perceive things how we deal with those differences how we have those conversations and what we really want. Okay, well, thank you everyone for sharing and um, collectively putting together this jigsaw of experiences and insights. And next week, I think we've got, is it the four agreements? Can anyone remember? Yeah, so we're talking about the four agreements, which which really is um, a follow-on from that. Uh, I know you're you're not a fan, Sandra. I'm trying my best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading, but boy. <laughs> now I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I only recently, people have always talked about it. I just meet um, the esoteric, and that's all I can say. <laughs> so I liked it. I listened to it on audiobook. Um, and I felt it was, yeah, I felt like I agreed with it. Um, I, I, I'll have to look more closely at the specifics before next Monday, but. Who's the author? I come charging it and asking you. Thank you, Rob. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, Betty. Um, uh, Don, Don Miguel, Don Miguel Ruiz. I did have this book actually, but I got rid of it before I read it. So this should be interesting. Uh, okay. I will try to read it and maybe I will come back a convert. Let's see. I'll try and finish. <laughs> Where am I in your seat there, Sandra? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to read it, man. I'm going to read it this weekend. I'm going to read it. It's just, <laughs> I'm going to ask questions that I know Rob is going to say, but no, <laughs> that's not the viewpoint. <laughs> Okay. Um, I, I don't know it well enough now. I know it's be impeccable with your word. Don't take it personally. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll look at it uh, more and 
um, yeah, it'd be interesting. Anyway, have a good week and thank you for for being here again. See you later, people. Thank you, Rob. See you. Good night. <laughs>